Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Hi, Esther. Hi, Holly. You sound really good this week. I know. Well, last week, my mic was haunted, and so this week, we have a new mic. <laughs> Yay! It was, like, literally haunted people. Like, there was a point where there was, a like, a poltergeist that came out in the episode, and I was, like, message Holly, and I was like, it's there, and then it's not there, and then when it comes back, it's, it's just mocking awful. me. It was really creepy. Yeah. Like, yeah. the veil is too thin, Holly. Too, too thin. I know. It was super creepy. At first, it sounded just like some sort of metallic scraping, but then it started sounding like you. Yes. It was so, <laughs> like, an alien entity was mocking me on your track. It wasn't on my track. It was on your track. Oh, I know. So creepy. so creepy. But, you know, like, we, the whole reason for starting a Patreon is to upgrade stuff, but we've had so many other costs occurred because of all of the, like... <laughs> gifts that we were giving people yes. basically so we finally did it we finally had that money to upgrade my mic instead Yay. of just using something cheap and crappy so I'm really excited it's on like a super profesh like mic arm I feel like an NPR radio host you and look I'm like into an NPR radio host I was just about to say that I was gonna say like you look like an NPR radio host are you going to <laughs> like host criminal for us are you oh Phoebe I was Judge? thinking full-blown deep SNL like sweaty balls sweaty balls (laughs) yeah I dressed as um Anna Gasteyer in that sketch once for a party in college oh really (laughs) yeah it was really really good costume so it's pretty it was an all SNL character themed Halloween or uh, not Halloween party we just used to always have costume parties I went to a small liberal liberal arts school and I swear to god every single party had some sort of theme that people had to dress up for oh wow that that's intense (laughs) It was always something that you could totally half-ass or, like, the idea was to come up with the most, like, sort of symbolic variation. Like, we did an Oregon Trail. This was, like, so long ago. Oh, I've done Oregon Trail before. actually still original for somebody to show up dressed as a computer for the Oregon Trail party. But I think now that's, like, been done. But this was, like, 2007. Yeah. My Oregon Trail costume was, like, I built an actual wagon out of boxes and a sheet. Oh, my God. on the side, I printed off, like, my party that was people that were my party. And I think that was, like, a really big big project runway year. So I had, like, Tim Gunn with me and, like... (laughs) Five people, obviously. And then on the other side, it was like, you have died of blah, blah, blah. And then oh I was like, gosh, dressed as a pioneer with so the wagon cute. on top. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's one uh, of my favorite see? costumes. Themed costumes are fun. It's weird. I think that I've lost a lot of my joy about costumes because now um, my office takes it so seriously that it's like oh. very like, okay, what like weeks and weeks ahead of time. It's like, well, what are you wearing? Like, have you bought all the stuff yet? And so it ends up being really expensive every Halloween. Oh, no. Like, the first Halloween that I was there, we did Alice in Wonderland themed. It was actually Alicia in Wonderland um, because... My office does. They're like nobody. Nobody is named Alice. Like, <laughs> I was like, the, is there someone in your office named Alicia or something? No, I, I was just the only white person in my office, and they're like, we're going to be Alicia in Wonderland instead. And so uh, I dressed as the March Hare, and oh. it was like my third week of work, and I spent like a hundred and twenty dollars <gasps> on items to be the March Hare. Oh my gosh, that's so expensive. I mean, I made my own ears. Yeah. They were cute as hell. It was a really good costume. I'll post a picture of it in our Instagram stories if we if you don't end up cutting this whole section. Oh, no, no. I'm not going to cut it. Because, and meanwhile, I always do, like, really punny Halloween costumes. So one year when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, my costume literally cost maybe, like, five bucks because I went to get paint chips, like, oh, paint samples. Cute. And, I've like, pin them all it. over myself and, like, as going as Fifty Shades were of Grey. Were you still 
Christian? Yes. People <laughs> thought it was hilarious because I was mocking. That's what oh. I think because I was mocking the series as Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey. Yeah. Like, look literally. at how lame it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we're doing a really exciting book review, too, but this might yes. be the last episode of the podcast yes. ever. So yeah, do you want to get started? <laughs> We've been replaced, Holly. Let's get started. <laughs> part of the day because we both don't have an outline we're outline free today i know well i didn't even think about it because i was like oh we're doing a book review i don't need an outline no so uh i'll pull a card okay what deck are you going to use i am using enchanted forest which came last week oh Um, who was using a new llewellyn someone posted it I forget. Yeah, somebody posted about it in our Facebook group. Facebook but I group, don't that's right. Who it was either? Okay, so I'm using Enchanted Forest, which I really, really like. I think it's like kind of a combination of like Wildwood and a little oh, bit of Druidcraft, yeah. but like with more mystical creatures. Ooh. And it's, I mean, classic Llewellyn's cardstock where the focus is on the book being beautiful rather than the then cardstock, the cardstock being, being substantial. <laughs> but it's still really nice. I still really like it. Yeah, because um, what's that witchy deck that's coming out pretty soon, like in a couple of weeks? That's really exciting, but it's Llewellyn cardstock, so it kind of is like a wah, wah, wah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I forget. Because she started it the, the making the deck on, I think, Tumblr. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dark something. Dark witch? Mm, maybe. No. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. Because I am really into the art, but it's just going to be really cheapened by the cardstock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not that, that's the thing is that it's never the creator's fault. So that's why I'm so willing to overlook it. But it yes. does make me a little bit bummed when I'm like, man, this would have been so good. <laughs> and like, it would have been so a total spoiled. 10 out of 10. Yeah. yeah. I think and it's okay if something is like, I'll only take off like maximum two points yeah. for, for cardstock. But yeah. also like, I think more than the thinness, it's the shininess. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the one that, that uh, Logan was showing us. I think would look really beautiful and matte. Yes. And that's my bigger concern than the cardstock thinness. Yes. Just like if it's too shiny, I think it'll detract from the art. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other ramp, but here's my card of the day. No <laughs> fives, like... no fives, no fives. Come on, Holly. Eight of spells. What and... spells? Okay. So wand? Oh, shoot. Hold on. Spells Let me go to the, sounds very active. Of the book. So I'm going to call it as a wand. Yep. Spells are wands. Yeah. So the Minor Arcana has been split. So first of all, one of the reasons that it reminds me a lot of um, Wildwood is that a ton of the majors have been changed. Oh, okay. To different titles, which is interesting. Um, and the Minor Arcana, the wands are spells, the cups are visions, the swords are challenges, and the pentacles are boons, which made me Aww. happy. Anyway, so uh, Eight of Wands. That's like, don't talk for two and a half hours about this book. (laughs) The good thing is that this is like basically the polar opposite in terms of our enjoyment of the last book we reviewed. Yes, yes, definitely. (laughs) And this is only like 260 pages, I think. So it's like a really fast read, really short read. So you don't need to like invest 400 days to read this book. Yeah, but it also is full of self-reflective prompts that so mean good. that you could really yes. use this as a primary study guide, basically. Yes. yes. It's, yeah, kind of like a class in a book. Yeah. 
it like really an intro did to tarot feel like class a class. In a book. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. It's like an intro to tarot class and combined, like, you know, condensed into 240 pages so you can refer back to it at any point. It's incredible. Anyway, sorry. Before we get ahead of ourselves and start talking about the book and getting rid of our own jobs, why don't we do Patreon shout Yes! Patreon shout so, Yeah, we had a really, really fun episode this week that we put up. It's actually a Skype recording of us chatting about our sexiest, sexiest decks. It's a video, <laughs> you guys. And so you yeah. get to see full-blown pictures of these decks because we knew that that they would get taken down elsewhere. So, yeah. Although the deck that I chose is not at all sexy. So you can join our Patreon and watch that to see why. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it says sensual Wicca. It's not even sensual. sensual. Not so sensual. It's just blah. But anyway, you can hear us talk about it for an hour if you want to. Yeah. It was a fun episode. (laughs) It was super fun. And there's all sorts of fun stuff on Patreon. So you can get any of that by uh, supporting us at the $5 or $15 level. And let's do some shout outs. Woohoo. So our first Patreon shout out for the episode is for Flor. And your card is from the Muse Tarot. The Three of Emotions, which is the Three of Cups. Oh, that's fun. That is fun. Lala, we have the Seven of Spells for you. What did we say spells were? Wands? Spells is wands, yes. Awesome. Seven of Wands. Good luck, girl. Oh, my God. You have to see this, Esther, because you know how much I love gnomes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Look at them. They're so cute. And a dragon. Oh, my gosh. Or a lizard with wings. Oh, my gosh. Have you seen the... The guy that Martin promotes um, that he bought like a gnome from, like he does like no. hand ca- carved gnomes. Martin? They, yes. How dare you? Martin? Not expressly show me a gnome that you have. <laughs> so I he made like glow in the dark gnomes like a couple Aww. weeks ago and had them in his Etsy store. And I'm like, I love gnomes, but that's a little creepy. Like when you're walking glow in the dark is night, a lot. And like, it's like a bright green gnome with bright green eyes staring oh, back at I you. Oh, I am in no, okay no. i'm gonna have to find this person yes, i'll send it to i think fawn lorne is their name or something like that anyway so back to the shout outs i have yvette <laughs> and your card is the eight of emotions which is the eight of cups we both chose decks that have alternate alternate suits suits but i did pretty good i didn't stumble I know. I should have actually looked mine up before I selected it as my deck for today, but that's on me. Yeah. (laughs) It's time to talk about the power of tarot. This is one of those things where we were pretty nervous because the author, Liz Worth, approached us about reading it. Yes. And we've never done that before. Like, this is the first time that's happened. Nobody sends us, like, everything that we review is something that we've purchased, for better or for worse. Like, like, all the decks, all the books. That's yeah, on us. We've never we've never reviewed anything that anyone has sent us. Um, yes. which isn't to say that we're not open to that. Oh Let's yes. We are, we are we, we, I think we could proclaim like every week, like, hey, if you want to send us stuff, we will definitely <laughs> accept it. I know. We are not so above fun. being bought, you guys. Okay, we are a little bit above being bought. But <laughs> well, we're almost that's there. what made this so weird because we we know that the things that we recommend are things that people, you know, trust. Like yeah. our reviews are things that people go based off of. I mean, not totally. I don't want to sound like a total dick about it, but we get a lot of responses where people are like oh I bought this because of you and so we were a little bit nervous about being given a book to review yes and I what do you was... do if you hate it like how can you go back to somebody and be like uh so they sent us this book for free and that was really kind of them to do that but we kind of hate their book you know that's exactly kind of, that puts us in and a weird so place. aren't we fucking lucky that that is not at I all know. the situation with this book I 
freaking yes. loved it. I kept thinking like, yes. okay, so whenever somebody expresses any interest in tarot to me, I'm going to give them this book. Yes. First, and the Radiant, <laughs> yes. Radiant Rider Wait book and deck set because yes. those definitions are great. Yes. That combination of a book with really solid, simple definitions like the mm-hmm. Radiant Rider Wait book. Yes. And this book, which is like basically dispelling all of your fears of tarot. Yes. Would be the perfect way to get started. The power of tarot has literally put Holly and I out of a job. We yeah, are retiring exactly. after this episode because <laughs> literally every question that we've answered the past 50 episodes is in this book and has been answered. Yeah. Every single question about tarot we've ever received and answered is addressed in this, <laughs> this book. <laughs> and I'm like, well, thanks, Liz. You've put us yeah. Podcast. And it's 240 pages instead of listening to us for what? A combined total of probably like 65 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Of the episodes Plus of it's only five Tarot. bucks. Like it's so cheap, like in Kindle form. So yeah. Yeah. So Liz, I'm, well, I'm going to just going to read her little description. She uh, has written a lot of books, uh, including some fiction. She's also written a book called Going Beyond the Little White Book, A Contemporary Guide to Tarot. She's Canadian and Ooh. she works as a tarot reader, astrologer, and author. And this is actually her seventh book. Her website is lizworth.com. And yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. The subtitle is To Know Tarot, Read Tarot, and Live Tarot. And that's how the book is divided into those three concepts. Yes. And there are no definitions in this book beyond like touching on court cards. And that's it. But even then, it's very simplified, very open. Like, I put like it's not gatekeeping at all, like no. no sense of gatekeeping. It's very beginner friendly, and the foundations of approaching Tara are fantastic. So exactly. So she starts with kind of giving us her thesis, which I always appreciate in a tarot book. Like, who is this for? What are your goals? Um, and she says that it's something that readers of any like level could get something from. And I kind of agree with that because Mm -hmm. there were definitely parts as a confident reader where I was like, Oh, that's a really good thing to consider. Yeah. Especially we'll get to it in a little bit, but especially she has a whole section about like setting expectations with the client. And like, Mm -hmm. I have this problem where, especially when I read for coworkers, they don't want to give me a lot of personal information right off the bat sometimes. So they're kind of just like, tell me what the cards say. Mm -hmm. This happened to me literally on Monday. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, Okay, so I start reading and then they start giving more information. But then it's like you have to backtrack because the context wasn't there. And so you're trying to be really general initially. But she just full blown says, like, you can say, why are you asking this question? Like, what are you hoping? What information are you hoping to get? And I was like, oh, my God, duh. You just have to say, like, what's your expectations? Yeah. Even if the person's like, well, I don't know. I just want to check in on things. If you say something, then like prompting them to respond more Mm -hmm. quickly rather than just letting them sit in silence while you are pulling card after card. Right. (laughs) Right. It basically like it was really good for me as a person who's been reading for a while to kind of (laughs) be confident in what I have been doing and like the processes I have been doing and like thinking certain things like on the podcast like we are very like open not gatekeepy so it was really nice to have that sort of confirmation that we're not like the worst people in the world for being open always being like do what feels right yeah exactly you know (laughs) and also like the questions in this book and the the prompts were so so good yeah. And like that was one of the higher points. So but I'm sure we'll probably get to all that. Yeah, we we'll get to that. Through. So I but again, I always really like it when somebody starts with a thesis. And the one of the things that she says is like within these pages are questions that only you can answer. Mm-hmm. So it's stuff about 
like in the knowing the tarot section, which is the first third of the book, it talks about how people get led to tarot and all of that stuff. Like, you know, our own personal journeys. What was that big giant deep breath? (laughs) (laughs) You're just getting ready to get this episode under our boat. Anyway. Okay. So like in the, we all get here on our own way section, which is kind of the first like chunk of the Mm -hmm. knowing the tarot section. Um, She talks about kind of her own journey to get to tarot and discusses her because I think that a lot of the times people might have like one or two really good tarot readers readings initially Mm -hmm. and then they pick up their own deck and suddenly everything goes away and that's why they start asking questions like is it okay to read tarot for yourself because suddenly it becomes less clear yes for some people where you're like oh this is now more muddied and I'm not really getting the same things that I was when somebody did a reading for me and I got so much out of it or whatever right and so I think that she's like just sort of explaining that that's normal is really help helpful in normalizing people's experiences with yes. picking up tarot. Yeah, I highlighted like the whole section of like she's like eagerly unwrapping the deck and like having all these expectations and she's like, yeah, it's gonna be the best thing ever. And she was hoping for visions and insights and fireworks. And then yeah. she's like, um, but I was disappointed when I stared at those beautiful brand new cards and felt absolutely nothing. And yeah. I feel like that's what we all kind of like initially. Oh, people who are telling the truth initially <laughs> feel like, okay, so we've opened these cards and we're like, okay, now what the fuck, you know, what, what the fuck do I do next? And yeah. so it's, was and it's really so helpful. easy to get frustrated if you feel, because everyone talks about how you need to like use your intuition and all mm-hmm. of those things, but it's like, how do you get to that point? And so I think that that's like a really nice thing about this is she kind of like normalizes that experience yes. and then goes into details about how you can like kind of get through cultivate it. Yeah. 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 And so she talks about sort of like, having an office job that she hated and the physical ramifications of all of that stress and anxiety and all of these things and how like finally realizing that she could do tarot Mm -hmm. or like kind of allow herself to delve into that more actually alleviated some of her like chronic pain stuff just because she wasn't holding on to so much stress anymore and stuff like that. So she's really coming at it from an angle of like, this is for self growth and self reflection, but she does then have chunks of this all about examining the basis of your beliefs. And so she has all of these prompts in the next segment about like figuring out, what how you think tarot works and being able to explain that and the first thing she does is dispels myths about where tarot comes from which i freaking love i loved it so much like even just because it's kind of what we've done like i know like we didn't rant about it like fully in this series of the podcast but about like the celtic cross spread itself she doesn't go into that aspect but that's what that's kind of what the one that we kind of latch on to because it's so prevalent where people are like you need to be able to read all the celtic cross like as your first spread and that's kind of an expectation we're like no you know you don't need as a beginner you don't need the celtic cross comes from the ancient celts and yeah it's like no that's not how that happens it was written in the 20th century you guys So it's, I think it's just really good to like dispel, dispel these myths of kind of the origin and also like the connections and the expectations we have with those connections, whether it be like yeah. astrology, Kabbalah, all these other things that kind of yeah. get shoved in there when they shouldn't kind of be attached to it. Well, yeah. And she kind of frameworks that as like, it's a deck of cards. It's mm-hmm. just made of paper, often just like in a big giant factory that's pumping out tons of these things in yeah. China. And that's okay because what are you bringing into it? And so she talks about like fate versus free will and how you don't have to be psychic and all these like basic questions that we get a lot 
that we personally, mm-hmm. us, yes. as this podcast get, where people feel like they're not tapping into their higher self enough or whatever. And it's like, you don't really have to. Yeah. No. Whatever is giving you messages will be fine. Yeah. At, and not saying that we're wrapping up this chapter, but like at the end of the chapter, basically she summarizes it. Is it like, in other words, terror doesn't hold your fate. You do. And I just yeah. thought that was really, really great statement. Like, because so many times, especially like people who are new to tarot or we have clients that come visit us, like they expect tarot to tell them everything about their lives and they follow it to the exact like letter of the law that you've kind of spoken to them. And then they keep yeah. coming back because they want tarot, that tarot to fill that void within them. And I think that right. was such a really great And I think that statement. like, it's really natural. I think this comes up in my day job all the time too. People kind of want to be told what to do. Yeah. It's way easy. And I mean, that makes me sound like I'm going to be a dictator, but I think <laughs> that like with small decisions, like day-to-day stuff, like should I drop this class or, you know, is this the right, like move for me or whatever? Yeah. A lot of the times people just want confirmation that they're making the right choice. Mm-hmm. And so having an idea, like kind of lay- her laying out, like you have to figure out what fate means to you. You have to figure out what karma means for you. You have right. to figure out what like right and wrong means for you mm-hmm. is like really helpful because all of those things are going to come through on you as a reader, either for yourself or other people. If you think that things are fated, mm-hmm. that's going to be a really different conversation than if you think that we have free will to change everything and all of this stuff. And that's why tarot gets kind of a bad rap sometimes is that like in pop culture, the idea is often presented that tarot like is for people who believe that things are fated. Like you mm-hmm. can be fated to meet a tall brown haired man, you know, who works in whatever, like, because these are the cards that popped up rather than like, as we would say, these are like, you know, this might be some traits to look for in a person or whatever. But I think that like the idea of having to define what all of these things mean for you as a new tarot reader is so good because that allows you to express yourself in ways that are consistent Mm -hmm. and probably more accurate because the cards will like how we always see the five and seven of swords as something other than what other people see them as. Because we've established that, mm-hmm. that's how they show up for us. Yeah. And it's the same thing with all of these other ideas. Like, if it isn't about fate, if it isn't about whatever, then what is it? Like, how do you feel about it? And so it's just a lot of prompts about figuring out ways to sort of narrow down what your ideas are behind it. Right. And when you, like, get into more tarot the tarot field itself, if you already have this foundation of what your beliefs are already about tarot, you're not going to be swayed by other people's like pushing like their opinions on you and things like that. You'll be able to like self-confidently like consider what they say, but if it doesn't fit you, you won't have like a crisis. Like I've seen some tarot readers be like, Oh my goodness, like this person does it this way. Am I doing it wrong? Or exactly. And I have kind of that experience with the wild witch that wiser books sent to me. Wild witch. Oh yeah. Wild witch. I posted about it on Instagram by Marion green. I just downloaded. Loaded it today so it's great but I do think that if I were newer into the journey I would be like oh no like she like I don't like this book because she says I have to be vegan I don't oh, like this book okay. because she says you know you can't consume drugs or alcohol and still be a witch or whatever okay because those two things do come up but 95% of the book is mm-hmm. beautiful prose really wonderful information but since I already have my established view of like 
consuming ethically and responsibly right. those sorts of things that doesn't make that doesn't like negate the rest of her book in the way that it might if I were newer and I think it's exactly the same with this when you're like brand new to something and she actually goes into this in a later part like yeah. who are your teachers and what yes. do they think and how that's aligned are you chapter. with them yeah. such a good chapter and I think that that's also really interesting like I one of the things that you and I talk about like just between us is like we do this podcast we give people advice all the time And we also give people advice about how to read tarot all the time, but Mm -hmm. we are not experts. And so if we say something that you don't agree with about like, you know, being so lackadaisical about our rules, which I'm using big air quotes for or whatever, (laughs) that's fine because we don't really see ourselves as teachers as much as we see ourselves as like friendly resources, you know, like we're not, we're not trying to say that we're experts. We're saying, Here's what we do. And so I think that that's a really good framework, too, is like, who are you getting information from and kind of what's their motive? Because that was like a really great chapter about like it was it, we're going to get to it, but it's like ethics, but ethics in a different way than what we're used to thinking as tarot ethics. And so yeah. like especially considering like where your teachers like in this pod, I consider like Holly and I like really good friends who really love tarot and like talk about tarot yeah. with each other and talking about yeah. tarot with you guys. Like that's to yeah. me how I see us. And, like, if you don't like the way that we do some things, that's okay. Like, we're not here to, like... We're not the experts. Yeah, we're not here to be experts at all. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like we're not teaching classes. That's why we have a podcast and we're not, like, doing a course. Although this book is, like, a lot of the same stuff that we talk about and does feel more like a course. Yes. That just shows how great we are at this. Hey. Anyway. So the next section is about examining the basis of your beliefs about intuition, psychic ability, and omniscience. This was such an interesting chapter. Yeah. So tell me what you thought about it. So I have always had this, like, weird sixth sense ever since, like, I was a child, even as a Christian. Like, I always had, like, this external thing this intuition. And so her describing that she doesn't experience that in the same way that I have was really interesting because I've not, I don't know if I've not run into someone like that, but it was just really interesting perspective because that's not how, not necessarily like I work. And I'm not saying that it's not like that she's wrong by any means. I'm just saying like that it was really interesting to consider like that intuition isn't the same for everybody. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and also because some people who can, like, read auras or feel that they're channeling or whatever would say, this is a huge component of my tarot reading, but if you don't have that, what does that mean about you? And so she kind of says, like, yeah, tarot readings can be paired with all of these other sorts of, like sensory experiences but that's not a component of tarot that's a component of those other things that some tarot readers just also have part of it is you don't need to feel like you have an you know like you don't need to have your ego like tied to this like yeah yeah if you have if you have this gift like it's a gift that you have that you can use with tarot but like it's not essential to tarot reading so if you don't have that don't feel strange either don't feel like you need to have something additional to go with it and she kind of addresses intuition versus instinct and like having a hunch about something versus intuition i love i think that the my intuition versus you intuition part was also really good because she kind of reminds people to say like well what are you getting out of this yes like to the querent like what are what are you intuiting from this Mm -hmm. and I think that that's kind of where the ego thing comes into play also is that like if you're reading for somebody and they're like I mean this does happen where people are really skeptical and you're like well what are you getting from it and they're like aren't you the tarot reader yeah (laughs) you're like yeah Yeah. but I want to see what you're getting from this yeah Especially, like, if you're given a question that's a bit more open and broad and you don't know exactly the context, sometimes they can read into it better than you can. Yeah. Of what the symbols mean for them. 
Yeah. I liked that she condensed it down to that you're a translator of the images and not necessarily like trying to... um, Is it like the part where she's talking about like not trying not to give advice? Yes. Like just interpreting the cards. Just kind of interpreting the cards and receiving the reading, but not like giving advice and not making it like super flourished. Yeah. Yeah. Really big. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we always end with like, what's the next steps? Because we want to be able to end on action, but also have it be action that is prompted by the cards rather than just Mm -hmm. by us. Yeah. The whole thing is like, hey, did you listen to our podcast and then write this book? (laughs) (laughs) Like, did you listen to all 65 episodes and then write this book? That would be so, I mean, if so, good on you and congratulations (laughs) for getting through all of this. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I just think that it's like kind of a a modern understanding to be like, just do what feels right. And she does talk about ways to cultivate awareness and to increase intuition, etc., But yeah, I found that very, very strong, that chapter Mm -hmm. very strong. Just to remind you, like, it's okay if you're not sensing, like, extrasensory stuff. You can still read tarot. I also like this quote, if you're reading for others, the card will reflect their truths, not your truths as the reader. And that's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, it's changing that perspective, like, from self-centering it on, like, them coming to you. It's more of, like, refocusing it on, oh, yeah, this is their reading. That yeah. you're not the one, like, the be-all, end-all sort of reader. Yeah. God, I had so many of those thoughts on Monday. It was just, yeah. And that's one of the, she also addresses this later, too, which I was like, God, this is something I think about all the time. Where, And I think I've expressed it on the podcast, too, especially whenever a podcast tells somebody to stay like stay in this work situation or mm-hmm. stay in this whatever. I know it's not going well, but just hang in there and stay there. That's always really hard for me because I have always been somebody who flees. Yeah. Because I remember it's come up in an episode before where, yeah, where the I've cards been, were like, like stay and you're like, all of my I don't like this. Yeah. yeah. My, my gut always is like, we'll go, you know, like if it yeah. sucks, just leave. But I also recognize which is so funny because I think that that's like not really a trait about Tauruses because people seem surprised (laughs) by it all the time but I'm always like yeah like let's go let's move let's make changes like let's go for it um but anyway so I don't know but she talks about that later like when you just because you're like either affirming something you already feel or not able to affirm something you already feel (laughs) like that's something to be aware of too okay we actually I actually skipped a quote because for a moment there my book was not highlighting so I wrote down what rule do I need to break to better connect to the cards and I loved that quote in the like the second chapter like it's like giving you power like to break the rules if the rule doesn't fit with you oh yeah yeah. and I really 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 love that because so many times especially like new tarot readers when you're in a Facebook group and you ask a question all these rules just start populating in the comments I was literally thinking like this is this is such a good alternative to asking in a big Facebook group yes I mean our Facebook group is still small enough that people like you only get like maybe 15 comments with people chiming in about what their thoughts are but there are Facebook groups where you'll get like 78 comments and everyone (laughs) feels really strongly and nobody's being respectful of boundaries yeah oh my god what is happening here yeah and I think that this book would prevent a lot of that because you mm-hmm. would just work through these things it gives you all these prompts to think about and then you don't have to ask a huge group yeah and it gives you permission you, to break rules that are crap anyway so yeah exactly without it having to be somebody saying something really strict in the group and then somebody else being like hey bud lighten up and then that person being like no you're wrong and then no you're wrong and then it just keeps going forever it's like no 
just yeah. ask here. It's way less stressful. You can mm-hmm. like kind of be, go on your own journey. She gives you permission right at the beginning to go yes. on your own journey and break the rules that you feel need it like yep. necessary. And then you can kind of get through it. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Sorry. So that actually, this is track. when she's the next part is when she starts talking about the history of tarot yes. and she goes through like people, you know, this is what people say. And tarot actually original originated in medieval Europe, which isn't to say that there weren't other divination methods that we still use today that were earlier than that. But tarot mm-hmm. specifically is medieval. And you can tell based on the power structure of the court cards, which I was and, like, Oh, that's a really good point. I guess I didn't really think about it that way. And no bad words were used. No, I know. Oh history. my God. I was so impressed. I was think the goddess is above. Uh, so a lot of the times in this area, people start using the G slur to refer to kind of like the Romani history of it. And I know that there, that some Romani people really don't mind that word, but we tend to avoid it because it's a slur (laughs) and it's not ours to use. Um, But anyway, so she doesn't say that at all. And this is also the section where she starts citing sources like crazy Mm -hmm. in footnotes on the page, which I appreciate so much. PhD dissertations, people like not even like Wikipedia. Yeah, like deep, deep, deep research. And also having the footnotes at the bottom of the page means that it's so much easier to then go, oh, I really am interested in this. Let me go look up Annabelle Wen's Holistic Tarot or whatever, or Camellia Elias's Cards and Magic from 2016. It's all documented on the page, so you don't even have to flip to the back, which I think is such a good call. And so all the historical stuff is really well documented and Mm -hmm. cited, which is awesome. Like she really knows her shit. It's really evident in the footnotes. Like she's taken the classes. She's been there, done that and written all the notes in probably pen on a notebook pad (laughs) for 20 pages. That means it's real serious business. Um, but anyway, so then like she even addresses that knowing tarot's true history, like, does that diminish its power? Like, it does it work better if you think it's mystical and mysterious. And she's like, no, no, it's important to know the background. Yeah. And also then reflecting and journaling about what do I need to know? What rule do I need to break? That's where you were talking about that. also. And what does tarot want to, or how does tarot want to reveal itself to me? So like, why do I think that this has to be mysterious? Is that even influencing the way that I read tarot? I have a question about the actual copy of the book because I'm reading yeah, the PDF using, copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. So on on the PDF copy, has these every chapter has like stars on the side that's going down. Is that reflected in the actual copy of the book? Yep. Because they're so pretty. Sorry. Yeah, it's super cute. And that's like kind of the divider between all of the main. The chapters aren't numbered, but that's the divider between the chapters chapters okay basically. i just didn't know if it was the same or not okay it's i love it so much it's really cute okay so then we so i don't i, I think we can kind of skip the next part because it's sort of talking about how tarot is humans doing it so there's human error right um and just kind of like confirming some of those things like if you get something wrong that's okay it doesn't say anything mm-hmm. about you as a reader it just says that you know cards have multiple interpretations and maybe you didn't have enough information to give the correct answer right um and she kind of talks about some anecdotes for that too and then we go on to the second part which is to read tarot so again it's organized by to know tarot to read tarot and to live tarot and the read tarot section is also so strong and addresses all of those things that we've gotten questions about over the last year yes i'm telling you people if you just want to just stop listening to this podcast and just read this book it's probably the same information and it'll only take you maybe like five hours to read (laughs) a day or two if you're like busy yeah Exactly. So if you're still listening to this podcast and not reading this book, 
thank you. That really means a lot to us right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope you want to keep listening to it because you like us, but also yeah. you should still, this book is still full of really the information. Good. And yeah. honestly, like, I feel like as somebody who does read, like I said before, if somebody ever said to me, because you know that I'm always giving decks away. Somebody oh, in yeah. my life expresses the smallest interest in tarot. And I'm like, come into my office. Let's give you a deck. <laughs> like this would be such a good addition to that gift because mm-hmm. it answers so many of those questions. And in the how to read tarot, it kind of starts with how how reading tarot is an action that you're taking. Like you're making a decision to read. It goes through a bunch of questions like, but I feel like tarot is so hard to learn. When I read the card meetings, it all makes sense. But when I try to read on my own, everything goes blank. Why? And kind of explaining that. Yes. And I really like how in the these sections, it's kind of like the format is a bolded and larger question followed mm-hmm. by text explaining it. Yes. And then like subheadings really to kind choice. of split the topic in. It was such yes. a good choice for organization. And I actually was thinking, like, as far as the general organization and the way that she chose what to talk about when, I cannot fathom a better way to organize it than she did. Yeah, she did. It was super well organized. Probably one of the better organized books we've read that's been, like, nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she talks about choosing the right deck. Like you can, she talks about buying your own deck. Is that true? Like you're not supposed to buy your first deck or apparently that's even somehow in the last year, I have experienced way more people, not even just saying you're not supposed to buy your first deck, but you're never supposed to buy yourself a deck. What? So somehow How do you... even despite all of the like breaking down of that rumor that everyone in the tarot community is tr- not everyone, all the people that we know in the tarot that, community that are, are saying to... people. Yes. Yeah. They like in some quarters of the internet, that's gotten even more strict to not even just be about your first deck, but about all decks, period. I know. How would you even? I <laughs> I, it's, it's not that I don't have any thoughts. It's just like, just I'm just like, like... I, Esther's face just went completely quizzical <laughs> and silent. She's just like, like what are you talking you say, about? You just make a pact with somebody that they buy the, like if you both like Muse Tarot, like if we want both want a Muse Tarot, like, oh, Holly, you have to buy it for me and I'll buy it for you. Is that how we're going to do it? Like you have to I make mean, a pact with somebody? I mean, I guess, but then that would mean that you would never be able to get into the community if you didn't know any tarot readers, which is, I guess, exactly the point. It's so gatekeeping <sighs> so to gatekeeping. say like, I heard that you can never buy your own tarot deck. Oh my gosh. Um, And then she talks about ways to figure out if the deck is the right deck for you. And I thought she, that was really good. Yeah, that was really helpful. And also a good reminder about, especially with the court cards, like to look at which direction they're facing. Mm-hmm. Like, can you connect with these people on the court cards so you can utilize them in readings effectively? All those sorts of things. So color schemes, like tarot as a whole, blah, 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 blah. And then she starts talking about the major arcana. But she never gives definitions. She just kind of goes through like the fool's journey in a story form. Right. And actually, the reading the Major Arcana section is very, very short because it's basically yes. saying, what sequences do you see? She does touch on how death is only card 13. So mm-hmm. in addition to everyone knowing that there's sort of like a, it's more about transformation, blah, 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 blah. Also, literally, it wouldn't be in the middle of the cycle if there wasn't something that came after it, which I thought was helpful for new yes. people with the death card. Um, and just kind of like the cyclical nature of all of it. And then the addressing whether or not the major arcanas are more important than the minor arcanas. I like the balance that was struck with that explanation, you know, where it's like 
yes, they pinpoint like major spiritual things, but they're not necessarily more important. Yeah. That's just kind yeah. of, I thought that was really like nice, succinct explanation of, because of course, when you hear major, you think major. And when you think minor, you think minor. So yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and then she goes through the minor arcana and talks about how they are more nuanced. And so yes. that's why people a- assess them as being more relevant to everyday life because there's more like slight differences that can make it so that one thing means something slightly different than the other thing, rather than the majors, which are a little bit more broad. Yeah. I like the focus on the elements in this because I think that's something that it's been continually coming up for me. This was like one of the strong. So uh, first of all, uh, like kind of harkening back to the organization structure, I felt like she did a really good job of editing herself to the poor or having somebody edit her or whatever. However, her creative process went to the point where the minute that I started being like, okay, I get it. She transitioned to the next thing. Yes. yes. Like it did not drag or like prolong a point. It just moved on, which was really awesome. The stories that she ties into the certain things within this book, they were succinct. They were to the point. She didn't go on forever and ever and ever. So that was really nice too. And I agree with you. The elements section was so strong. So I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just going to say my favorite quote was like, I wrote this down, like fire burns, water flows, air moves, earth holds. And I love that like simplicity because like when you just look at those cards, you think of the elements like thinking like the three of cups, water flows, three cups, like friendships flowing. There's lots of communication going on. There's there's a really good time flowing between the three. Yeah. So I really like those. Like if you look at the cards and you're like frozen, you can think like, oh, eight, like eight wands, fire, fire is burn. So, you know, like how fast eight burn really quickly, you know, sort of thing like that. You can kind of piece things together as if you're frozen too. Right, exactly. And for every one of the elements, which is this next section, the questions answered are, what does fire help with? What Or what does the element help with? How can the element harm? And then what should I be thinking about when I'm interpreting that energy in a reading? And that goes for every <coughs> single one of the elements in suits. And I found that very, very strong also. Yes, yes. So, so good. Oh, yeah. And then she does this really cool thing that I loved where she pairs the suits together. Oh, yes. Like, yes. Because you're saying, like, if you're looking at a, a multi-card reading and you see, like, a theme, like, all swords or whatever, then you know that that's, like, all air and how does the air hurt based on your reading in the previous chapter. And so she mm-hmm. pairs stuff together. Like, what does seeing a bunch of fire and a bunch of air look like? What does seeing a bunch of fire and a bunch of water look like? And the it was just... I found that such an interesting thought exercise in like how you, how the different suits work together to Mm -hmm. like show you where the issue is almost. Yes. And like which ones can cancel each other out and which ones work really well together. Those pairings. I I found fire and earth especially good because fire and earth both have a lot of potential, but fire burns out more quickly. And so like, is there a problem with getting started and not finishing or whatever? Mm. Like, I just think that that's such an interesting way of looking at all of this. So I was a super big fan of that. And then through the numbers of the minor arcana is just sort of the traditional, like, this is what sixes mean. This is what sevens, et cetera. And then what to do if you're seeing like, and I've had this happen where there will be like, her example is an eight of wands and then a two of swords and then an ace of wands and how it's kind of like you're doing a whole awful lot. You need to sort of decide how to pare that down and how to like look at either the numbers on the cards increasing or decreasing as like further insight into what might be going on. I thought that that was nice too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. 
For the majors or, or for the court cards, did you have anything that you wanted to touch on? Oh, I love that she said that the pages were apprentices in their prospective elemental kingdom. Like, that was, like, the phrase. And I loved that phrase of, like, and, like, the knight is the, you know, the protector of their elemental kingdom. Like, whatever, like, they are, they're, like, that in their elemental kingdom. And I think that's a great way to frame that because I think a lot of times when we just look at it, especially court cards, people freeze and they forget that elemental kingdom. Like, okay, so what does the fire burning? Okay. And now we got a queen. So what does that mean? I I really liked that the queen, she gave the queen so much power. Yes. I love that too. Especially like it's in the background power too. Yeah. Yeah. And I've literally wrote down, these are some of my fave court card explanations. I know. Like, I I think ever probably because we've read a couple of like, we had a whole court card book that we read. And I think these are my favorite like succinct def- like yeah, explanations short. that people can grab onto and not forget easily instead of having to remember oh the queen of wands is a creative person who always like is in the front of the pack and they're always working 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 like all these yeah. random definitions that may not apply to every queen of wands i think this is like a really good overview of the court yeah. card itself and it's short because it's only like yeah. four pages and it just packs a huge punch Yes, loved it, loved it. Her like formulating her formulating questions chapter is also just bonkers good. Yes, like when yes, you're yes. thinking up questions, start with what you want to know, then you can move on to what you want to accomplish through the reading. And there are all of these prompts. Like you can also think mm-hmm. of tarot as a tool that helps you understand the themes and energies. And so, what are the challenges? What can you make possible? What do you need to stop doing, etc. It can also be help it, helpful for building self-awareness. How are you holding yourself back? How are others holding you back, etc.? Then she gives much like many more examples of that. Oh, and then yes. also I love that this is like something that we definitely do. How it can also help to consider what you want to accomplish, like how do you want to feel afterward? What are some things you're looking for? Clarity, peace, ease, change, something altogether different, etc. Like, what will be the most helpful for you to hear? And then formulating questions based around that. That's yeah. exactly what we do when we're formulating right. questions. And I freaking love that it's, like, so succinctly explained. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it, like, transitions into a punch where it's, like, communication. Like, talking about the dialogue between you and the querent. And I loved that part you know like you had mentioned earlier where there were like people just kind of expect you to do a general reading when they walk in and kind of like don't give any details and no context but then it's difficult for you as a reader to kind of do that so I think that was really like great follow-up to like here's some questions and this is how not to do it yeah sort of thing like and like this is her experience at like a New Year's Eve party event and stuff like that and how like what the person said was not what they wanted what the person said was just like a general overview and then what she replied back was what she saw in the cards but the person was not giving as much information as they should have and so it it was a different reading than what they needed so I thought that was really good like contrast and also just a reminder that you're like not doing anything wrong if stuff comes up uh, like unclearly or the person right. who you're reading for is like, that doesn't apply here or whatever. Right. So that was really nice. Like you have the power. You, It's okay to, to have the power within you to like ask like, hey, like what do you exactly mean by this? Like what, you know, where's this kind of coming from and yeah. kind of getting more information. Uh, and then she talks about yes or no questions. She addresses whether or not there are questions that you can't even answer. Like, about, you know, when will I have kids? When will I get married? Those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And I thought this was actually really beautiful because some of the things that she talks about, especially with the like romantic relationship stuff, 
is like rather than answering when will I get married say like you know are you looking like are you Mm -hmm. even trying for that like is that a goal of yours and what steps are you taking to get there like Mm -hmm. that is really helpful especially in questions like that because if somebody isn't they're like not looking they just are hoping that it happens to them then that's gonna (laughs) give you a lot more information about like what they need to get out of that question rather than just right. when will I get married? It's more like, what can I change about my life now to make myself ready to accept love into my life or whatever? Yeah. 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 Cause some people just aren't willing to do their homework. Even when you kind of ask that too, they're yeah. kind of like, well, I'm too busy. Well, I have this going on sort of stuff. So exactly. Yeah. Really and then good. also just like timing. And then the other thing being, um, like how long questions are good for. And this mm-hmm. goes back yeah. to the idea that we each make choices every single day that can affect outcomes. Like yeah. if you, somebody's asking you about something five years down the road, there's so many decisions that that person is going to be making between now and then that that's yeah. not really, you want to try to encourage them to look in a shorter time period. Yes. Yes. That was really, really good. And then the shuffling and selecting tarot card stuff, just like basically all the stuff we say, do what, yeah. set your intentions at the beginning so that you have a clear idea of what you're looking for and then mm-hmm. choose a ritual that works for you. And she says like, that isn't too complicated that you yep. can do every time, which mm-hmm. I think Esther has gotten to the seven and seven thing. It just <laughs> works for her. It's not a super long ritual, but she does it no. every single time. I love that she pointed out, like, should you let other people touch your tarot cards? And yeah. some people are, like, so vehement online about, like, nobody else can touch your tarot cards because of bad energy and stuff. And, like, here she's like, I don't care. who cares? Like, this is your belief system. You know, no one really – it doesn't really exist if it doesn't if – if you don't believe it. So Yeah, and I let people touch my cards all the time. Yeah, me too. And I then don't she, care. She just goes through a lot of questions, like, what about if a card jumps out? What about if you don't like the cards you get? What about if – you like hear from somebody that you have to read the bottom card from the deck or else you're not doing it right. Like mm-hmm. all of those different things are addressed. Yes. Um, and she says, don't overwhelm yourself with the rules. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you. There are no rules. And I also really like that in the kind of like how to actually read the whole entire thing is basically saying like, watch your own biases. Tarot's not advice. Mm-hmm. Keep your interpretations in mind, but be open to, other things showing up, like the direction that people are facing or the colors or the suits or whatever. And just kind of like allowing yourself to read casually, not casually, but flexibly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like read tarot the way you feel led to read tarot. And I I also liked the question is like about reversals. Yeah. And some people have really strong opinions about reversals. And like, not only can you, she points that you can read reversals like as like the different meanings, but also she says another approach to reading reversals is look at the cards as things that have yet to manifest themselves. And I thought it was really interesting. And then she's also looked at them as what's falling away. Like gravity is working. So like in the card of gravity, I was like, it was so, so good. Like where you don't have to read reversals technically as like different meanings, like reversals with meanings that we would like normally be used to, but you can actually like consider gravity or consider like, Man, things that ha- that are not manifesting yet and that yeah. needs to manifest. And I thought that was it really, really good. It made me want to start reading reversals. I know me too, but not like in the traditional like double meaning sort of way reversals, yeah. just in like the nuance that comes up because sometimes we get reverse cards. Yeah. And so be nice, I, like little practice and nuance. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I might try it with some of my decks. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, the last section is about living with tarot. And I, you know, we've gone through this 
fairly closely, so I don't want to like just recount the ent- like every single beat. But this part was also just real again, really strong. This is a really, really mm-hmm. strong book. And it gives you a lot to think about. And this is something where it's like kind of talking about how people sometimes feel like they can't read for themselves because they're coming at it with all these biases. And so you have to figure out like I think that that also goes back to the formulating questions. Like, what are your goals for this? Mm-hmm. And if you're yeah. reading for yourself, you still have to do those rituals because if you're just going at it totally blind, then you might pull a bunch of cards that make no sense together because you're not giving yourself the space to live in that tarot that you would if you were trying to do it for a querent. Yes. And that's like what makes it confusing for you if you're reading for yourself and not like still going in with a clear plan and all of those things. Well, I'll give like a story of what happened to me today. So today I was doing a reading for myself about something and I was using Muse Tarot and I was shuffling ahead my like intent in mind, but then all of a sudden my mind like jumped to a scenario that happened yesterday with a problem student of mine. And then I flipped cards and the cards I got were like completely opposite of what the reading was for. Like it was like five of swords, like eight of swords, blah, blah. And I'm like, why am I drawing all these swords? And I realized like, oh, you while I was shuffling, about... my intent wandered yeah. to this situation that happened yesterday. And I didn't focus as well as I needed to in this moment. Part of me was like, Esther, are you using this as an excuse to like, to not have this reading? But like, it literally did not make sense. And I, then I yeah. remembered like, oh yeah, like here I'm thinking about this conflict I had with the student yesterday and trying to communicate with him about like his his disappointing me because he's a smart kid but anyway and <laughs> but yeah like, it, you know so it's like in those moments wander. when your mind wanders like and you just think like oh i'm still drawing cards to this thing i was doing earlier no 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 you need to keep that focus and that intent in that moment and be present for your reading when you're reading for yourself yeah instead of like letting like just pay yourself enough respect that you would pay a querent who's paying you yeah you deserve it especially if you're yeah. using this for self-growth like you totally deserve it yes yeah i think that this this section is a lot of anecdotes about reading for other people which are helpful in the context yes. and kind of talking about like what to do if something seems scary thinking yes. about the impact of your words because sometimes like we can use frameworks that can be more negative than we mean them to, or even more positive than we mean them to. Like I uh, pulled cards for that coworker on Monday and got really, really, really positive cards for something that she's really, really, really scared of. And like I got, what was it? The wheel of fortune, the ace of cups and strength in a situation about like leaving a situation that has been her norm for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I think that, oh no, it was the three of cups. That was the even weirder part. It was the wheel of fortune, the three of cups and strength. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, well, this is kind of like an uptick in your luck. Like you're like, like this, because I did kind of the two paths thing. I was like, this path oh, right. is saying like, your luck is changing. You're really strong. And whatever this path is, is something that's going to feel very joyful and exciting and like celebratory. And you have all this strength that you've already built up. And now your luck is changing and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, that surprises me because this path is something that will hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is why we need to get more information because I need to know what the heck the paths are. And I guess yeah. I need to stop saying we can just be as general as you want. Right. Yeah. Because that, well, it doesn't help you as the reader because like she even details in here, like when you have more details, you're able not, not necessarily like, 
being a spy into their lives or anything. But when you have more context for what's kind of going on, you can then interpret the cards better for them instead of kind of just kind of generally throwing out what the meanings mean in like with with each other. If that makes yeah. any sense. And I still think that that is that was accurate for her situation, but it's just mm-hmm. is going to be something that's really hard in the short term, but really right. good in the long term. It's just going to have to like she has to go allow the cycle to happen. But it right. was, again, one of those things where it was like back to the section here where she's like, you can ask for more information. I was like, mm-hmm. why do I why do I avoid that so much? Yeah, I think because with coworkers, it's awkward. You don't want to like overstep any boundaries. Yeah, because like but we you, work but, but you're a person who can convey like confidentiality very easily yeah, to someone. That's like true. that's your personality. So, I all I think I don't know if I'm skipping ahead, but the tarot, hope, and predicting disasters that's chapter exactly where we are. Good because the first paragraph is I highlighted it in bold print, huh. and it says it's one thing to give false hope; it's another to rob someone of hope altogether. Hope is a huge reason people turn to things like tarot, so it's important to learn how to strike a balance in your readings. Don't let clients leave a reading feeling dejected. Even if you can't tell them what they want to hear, recognize that they have a need for support at that time. Everyone deserves to feel rep- supported and respected, and you never know what kind of impression a tarot reading can have. And I was just like, high that. five, Wiley Tarot Podcast, for trying to end you know every reading. Like Even though the readings may not be good, we try to end every reading with like steps forward or yeah. encouragement. Yeah. And so I was just like... Hey, high five, Holly. And yeah, Lisa. that's exactly what we do. Yeah. Okay. And then the last two chapters, or I guess not really the last two chapters, but the last two chapters, two of these last chapters are a big chunk about tarot and love and a mm-hmm. big chunk about tarot and work, because those are two topics that people ask about a lot. And we've experienced that too. There will be, especially at the beginning, we'd have like weeks and weeks where we were only answering questions about work. Yes, we, we were like begging people... friends. Please give us like an ant, like a question about just something else besides your job. Like, yeah, we're happy. <laughs> like we to need something to kind of break it up. But it might get boring for listeners to hear us just yeah. talk to people about work all the time. So I thought yes. that those those two sections were really, really, really helpful because she kind of goes through different questions that can come up when you're reading about tarot. She mm-hmm. focuses more on the idea of hope. She focuses on what tarot can answer, especially with the work stuff. She talks about how so many decisions at work are outside of our control so asking like will I get this job and then the cards say yes but then the hiring managers get notice from their bosses that they don't have funding for it or whatever and they have to go Mm -hmm. a different direction like the cards may have been right that the hiring manager wanted to hire you but forces beyond anyone's control said oh no we actually can't do that and so like is there ways with work-related questions to avoid putting people in a situation where they're given false hope because things are so beyond anyone's control and yeah it's really interesting too so I really appreciated those two chapters I thought that they gave me a lot to think about especially the how to read effectively on work section where there's a bunch of different questions like yes those questions were really good what do I what what can I focus on to be successful how do I come across to others how can Mm -hmm. I change that that sort of thing yeah. And then like some title headings are the difference between work su- success and life purpose and your path is not always what makes you money. And I was like, that's really nice. Yeah. To know. Seriously. Because like, it's not all about why picket fences. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> I just got really excited because I forgot that the actual last section is the most important skill in tarot. And this part was like, it was late last night. I was getting ready to go to bed. I started reading this and I was woken up in such a real way yes the most important skill in tarot reading is not intuition not psychic ability or even the techniques you use 
It's discernment. Yes. I loved this so much. I was wanting to highlight the whole entire thing. Like I like big chunks. Like look at the look at my thing. Oh my God. Like that. Like literally the whole whole, whole page. The whole is page highlighted. highlighted. I loved this so much because the idea of discernment, it's like an element of judgment, but without sort of like the moral association yes. that judgment has. Like discernment is more about like figuring out what's important information to share, figuring mm-hmm. out what's important information for you to already have. And that's kind of, she kind of brings back the mythology about tarot. Like this is why knowing the mythology is important because then you're discerning like more about how you feel about all of it. Tell me mm-hmm. more about what you highlighted because that was incredible. I've never seen okay. you highlight that way before. <laughs> okay. So, um, so it, for, well, first was like being spiritual doesn't mean you have to believe everything you hear. And I yeah. feel like I need to put this on a banner like and post it in my stories on Instagram a lot because so many times people will believe everything they hear or they believe like something someone says. And it's like, this is not accurate. Yeah. Um, and gullibility is a side effect when we lack discernment. And I was like, oh, like. And that's what kind of like our podcast was kind of born out of because we saw so many people being like taken advantage of in other groups, like with the rules, with all these other yeah. things. We're like, no, the, you know, these people don't know. Why are you preying on them? So what the big thing I highlighted was the psychic story that she told where the person, this um, basically this guy had called her saying, hey, the psychic says that the psychic slash tarot readers has been saying for years that I have a yeah, curse, that I'm cursed. on me. Yeah. And like, this is kind of also mimicking the, the thing that happened in Canada where someone said, well, to remove this curse, you needed to give me money. And so this Tara Reader has been milking him for money for years yeah. and telling him you need to go to a certain church where you go burn candles and blah, blah. And she's like, and at the end of the conversation, you know, she was able to kind of plant some seeds of doubt and he was yeah. able to be like, oh, well, this person's just been taking me for my money. Well, and one of the things that she says is uh, she says to him, I don't believe in curses. There's you're yeah. not cursed. I don't believe in curses. Yeah. And, and like, like how freeing is that? Yeah. <sighs> It's so yeah. good. And then that this is also the section where she talks about choosing your teachers wi- wildly. Yes, yes, yes. Wildly. <laughs> no. Choosing your teachers wisely. Wisely. Yes. Um, and I loved, I just loved this section so much. Because yes. I do think that a lot of people go, like, and she even says this, a lot of people start reading tarot with dreams of reading professionally. And so if you find a professional reader that seems to be giving advice you can fall into like the, oh, well, this person does it this specific way. So that right. must be the way that I have to do it. And she like debunks a lot of things that like tools or things that tarot people that don't have the best of intentions for you. She do, like says those exact things that they will say, like, go, oh, you should go professional and take my class. Like she like lists several different things that tarot teachers will say or tarot readers will say to get you to just keep giving them more money and for you to just kind of be their student, but without actually being their student, like as an yeah. equal, like more of just like you just feeding their ego. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just really like that whole section. I think that that's yeah. great. And also like, and it kind of, kind of comes down to the discernment stuff too, because it's like, am I actually ready for this? It's like, maybe not. Or even if you are, maybe there's other stuff going on in your life that make it harder. Like when I was selling tarot readings, that was really hard to accommodate in my actual job. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that one-on-one work and like having the like PDFs that I was doing took a really long time to put together. And I was like, I thought that I was ready to read. I think, I mean, in a lot of ways, I still feel that way. Like I yeah. can read professionally. That's not the problem. It's just discerning whether or not it's the right time for that. And if you can like fit it in everywhere else and kind of what's making you feel like you need to do this and how much of that is ego, how much of that is expectation, how much of that is like, wanting confirmation that you're good at something. And we all have Mm -hmm. to deal with those things, even with this, even with podcasting about it. It's like, why, like, what's the goal here? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was just a really good section that kind of was necessary because like, especially so many times people confuse intuition with with discernment and they are two totally different things. And then uh, there's a whole section about setting boundaries Um, I thought that was really interesting. That was really, really good. And then the truth about it, which is that like you get to do what works for you to be a tarot reader. Like if you're a tarot reader, you get to call yourself a tarot reader. Yeah. It's not up to anyone else. And also we have to put in the effort and tarot doesn't have anything kind of like intrinsically informational. That's what we're bringing to it. Yes. Yeah. You don't need a certificate or certification to be a tarot reader. You just are. If you can read tarot, you're a tarot reader. Oh my God. It was just so good. It was so good. (laughs) So, so good. So yeah. I mean, what do you think? Do you think people should buy this book? Oh yeah. Well, because today someone asked me about like beginner tarot books that I would recommend for people. And of course I did like radiant writer, rate Smith. I just like the definitions in that so much. The definitions (laughs) and like the questions in that is really, are really good. We were talking about like Danielle Noel's book because of the journaling stuff. Yeah. That's also great. But this is like even more basic because more than anything else, it's about how you feel about tarot and establishing your relationship with tarot more than just like eventually you'll need to establish a relationship with each card. But Mm -hmm. I feel like the strength of this is that it's helping you figure out how to framework your own tarot experience and like actual ways that are specific and not like, like sort of ambiguous and general. Yes. Because especially like to me, this is like a book that's necessary in our tarot community. Cause so many times we have like, here's some special definitions or here's some special spreads that you use, but there's really no, like you can take classes from somebody about how to read tarot, but especially like for someone like me, who's like isolated or like not able to go to a class, like this book is just so perfect for giving you the confidence to be who you want to be as a tarot reader, whether yeah. it's just being for yourself or eventually like making it s- something else you in your life. People. Like it's definitely a book. I feel like that this needs to be like read first and then you can get a book of definitions. Yeah. And honestly, like it gave me a lot to think about too. And I already felt very established. So I think that it's like, I, it's so hard when you say that a book would be good for beginners or established readers, because I think that beginners, every single page would be useful for them. For established readers, there are chunks that will be something you already know. You might not get too much out of it, but then there are spots here and there where it's like incredibly valuable. Yes. Like ways to look at things. And so I do think like kind of goes back to the wild witch thing. Like there are definitely parts where even an established reader would be like, Oh my God. Like, that's really helpful to think about. Yeah. And for me, like, there were points where it was, like, challenging my own established, like, ego going into readings. Like, and that was good for me because, like, I think so so many times as a reader, when you've been reading for a long time, you get complacent. And you have, like, that sort of, like, feeling about yourself and your own confidence. But, like, 
to kind of question like, okay, why do I don't have this practice? Like, is this beneficial for me? Am I doing this because of this reason? I think yeah. that was really good too, as an established reader to kind of get those things like and consider them as I was reading the book. I, so. I totally agree with you. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for sending this to us. I know. This was awesome. So, so good. I freaking loved it. And I hope yeah. that it is something that people can reference with us because I got so much out of it. I know. It was so, 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 and so good. she's just a really good writer. Like, it was just so accessible Like, I want to fun. read her little white book now just to see, like, what she thinks about, like, yeah. expanding the little white book. Okay, so next week we're going to be talking about the How to Deal Tarot. Isn't that what it's called? Yes, called How to Deal. How to Deal, um, which is Circo Tarot's mass market deck. And we're really excited about that. That was one of the ones that was in Esther's giant package of lovely decks. <laughs> yeah. And it's inexpensive, surprisingly, from Urban Outfitters. So I have a lot of issues with Urban Outfitters. Anyway, so that's our show. Don't forget to send us your questions. You can find all of our contact information, including our handy dandy question submission form at wildlytarot.com. <laughs> and we accept love home yeah. and work questions we absolutely do i thought you were just saying we accept love which we also oh. do <laughs> we do accept your love and accolades thank you for all those and also tell your friends about us and write review us on apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast it helps us grow and we really appreciate it we do you can also follow us on instagram at wildly tarot podcast or join our facebook community by searching wildly tarot podcast on facebook and also you can support us on Patreon. Like we said, we have this amazing video that we recorded this past week of Schmexy Decks. So decks. get on the Patreon if you want to. Exactly. And we those. just appreciate the support because it lets us do things like when Holly's mic gets haunted, find a new mic. <laughs> Yay. Yay. And remember, go forth and tear wildly this week. We Yay, love you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>